0: Roll call, Mr. Steele. Thank you, President Bogus. Commissioner Alexander? Here. Commissioner Fisher? Commissioner Lamb? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Matomedy? Here. Commissioner Sanchez? Here. Vice President Wiseman Ward? Here. President Bogus? Here. Thank you.
1: This time uh, before the board goes into closed session, I call for any speakers to the closed session items listed in the agenda. There will be a total of five minutes for
0: speakers. Seeing none in person.
2: Uh, Please raise your hand if you're a virtual participant and care to give public comment on this item. Seeing no hands raised.
1: Okay. Please know that the board will take a roll call vote on the recommended student expulsions when we reconvene to open sessions. Now I recess this meeting at uh, 5.01.
4: Thank you.
0: President Bogus. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Lamb? Yes. Commissioner Matambidi?
5: Yes.
0: Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Vice President Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Bogus? Yes. Seven eyes.
1: There are no actions to read out from closed session. Uh, And we will go to item D1, superintendent's report. Thank you President Bogus. Uh,
6: Good evening everyone. I just wanted to provide an update on a few issues. Um, Just a week ago I had to announce an error that the district made in terms of not filing required uh, information with the state to um, uh, regarding the state withholding Uh, of taxes for the 2022 school year and you know as I since I started as superintendent I've had to uh, you know share challenging issues related to our payroll system and how we're Managing it, but that was just incredibly difficult to share because I know how impactful it has been on employees. Um, I've been receiving emails just how they're counting on the district to deliver accurate information so that they can move forward with their taxes and, in some ways, move forward with their lives. And I know even if I don't get back to everyone, I read those um, and understand you know just how terrible situation this is, and so we did move as quickly as we could to address it. We are on track to resolve the issue. Um, the quarterly reports were submitted to EDD on Friday, um, and we expect issue resolution completion because they need to process them by the, the 17th. Um, we sent out an email update yesterday. We've set up a website as well that has an uh, FAQs, it's the uh, www.sfusd. Uh, .edu backslash 2022 payroll tax and we'll keep sharing information as we get more of it and I know we're working to provide support through this tax season uh, and beyond around this issue and the other issues our employees have been facing. Um, If you go to the next slide. do you want to appreciate the board approved a calendar at the last board meeting and also um, authorized us to look at spring break and so we have our academic calendar for the 23-24 school year. Um, the first day of school will be August 16th and then spring break will be the week of April 8th to 12th um, which works out well for our employees and also works out well for our students and particularly our students who are celebrating uh, the Eid holiday they won't be missing uh, school at this time. For next for the 24, 25 calendar and beyond, we um, shared the process we'll be going through, and that actually will start next month, and so you should start looking for communication uh, around that, and we plan to have a two-year calendar that we can ident- uh, identify, uh, a two-year calendar where we can start earlier, and then we can have the community discussion around The uh, um, holidays we might want to observe also got feedback on this calendar about whether we want to start in the middle of the week or on a Monday and end on a Friday. Uh, So this will be we'll have a process where we can hear from our community to and and to know what's going to work best. Um, And then lastly, just want to share um, that. Along with, while we're going to go through that process, we know there will be students who uh, celebrate Eid this year, who celebrate uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur next year. And we have now updated our board policy and actually have a new administrative regulation on the recognition of religious beliefs and customs. So uh, per the board's direction, we had looked at other best practices from other districts and to update our policies and regulations. And so our new regulation now is that students and families are not really trying not to make a requirement to choose between celebrating their their holiday and participating in school. So we are issuing an annual major holiday calendar with observances that may p- impact attendance. You may have seen that at the last board meeting. Um, we're asking our staff to make every reasonable effort to avoid scheduling exams, athletic events, contests, and other special events. Um, students will be excused from school for observing those holidays, we, and, and we'll have that in the system. And then we're publishing the calendar and communicating expectations to school staff. So I'm looking at our head of communications. We have Eid coming Eid coming up next week uh, next month. Uh, So we'll make sure to share this now that we have these updated regulations.
1: So that concludes my report. Thank you very much, Superintendent. Uh, And with that, we will go to item E1, uh, and I will ask for a motion and a second on that item.
3: So moved.
7: Second.
1: And I will pass it to the superintendent uh, to delegate to staff to present. Um, sure, I'd like to bring up
6: uh, Anne Marie Gordon, our interim head financial officer, and we have here our uh, CDE fiscal expert um, in the in the audience, Elliot Duchon. So we're passing around our presentation related to the second interim. So this is the second of two interim reports that we provide to the state on this year's uh, budget and expenditures. And um, so I'll turn it back over to Ms. Gordon. And we do have here um, our interim associate superintendent of business services, Dr. Clark, as well.
8: Good evening, everyone. Um, I also have one printed copy. I will, um, once we get the full book printed, I'll um, distribute those to all of you. But they are large, so I recommend using the version that is on board docs. That's what this is. But if anyone wants to flip through it, um, we can hand that out.
0: Sam um. Marie, I can put that in the office for commissioners to review on the desk if, if that's okay. Great. Does that work?
8: Yeah. Um, Okay, well then, um, I'm excited to be here again to share, right, to share our second interim report of of this school year, Um, and we'll go ahead to the next slide. So as, as a reminder, uh, we do, uh, as Dr. Wayne shared, we do two interim reports each school year, and this is number two. Um, interim reports identify changes to revenues, expenditures, and fund balance, and provide multi-year projections for this and the next two fiscal years. And based on these factors and how our forecast looks, um, one of three certifications is made to the to the California Department of Education, positive. Um, if right, and and we are bringing forward both for the county and the district a positive certification. That is our recommendation this evening, which would certify that the district and county office are able to meet our financial obligations. Qualified means we may, and negative means we won't. But for this evening, um, we will. Bring forward a positive rec- uh, certification recommendation for both. We'll start with the uh, with the county office of education. Um, the county office budget is a bit simpler um, and m- more straightforward, and so we'll go ahead and go through those. And then the district has a little bit more a little bit more meat to the content. But then for the discussion, obviously we'll go through any of it that you have questions about. Um, so, so starting with the county. Um, recommended certification positive positive. and looking at the county's unrestricted general funds. Um, you can see the slide deck is a number of charts that look just like this um, but want to maintain consistent structure and as, as, we, as I shared at first interim. Uh, we'll always refer back to whatever the previous presentation was uh, for reference. And so here for all of these, we have the first interim budget and then the second interim budget, which is highlighted. Going through uh, the revenues, expenditures, and ending fund balance here, you can see there are very minor updates um, overall compared to first interim. Um, and there were also very few updates from the adopted budget. So, this in, within the county, we have a lot of consistency in what in what we see, and, and in in terms of the plans that are made or change year over year. For this year, um, we moved payroll and the legal departments into the county budget in an attempt to better reflect some of the functions that we hold as a single district county, and so we do have overall higher expenditures compared to last year. Um, but what you can see is that that has resulted um, inadvertently in deficit spending within the county budget this school year. That is the, the negative, um, the red numbers for the net shortfall. And so we did not intend to create this pattern within the county budget. And so when we go, um, when we move to the next slide, I'll speak a little bit to how we're going to correct that. Um, so that we have stability, consistency, and alignment between our ongoing revenue and ongoing expenditures in the county budget. So the overall picture for this year and through 24-25 is that the county is projected to remain balanced. Um, To reduce that deficit spending, uh, what we will plan to move Uh, the payroll department back into the district's general fund. Um, Legal, for the time being, will stay in the county. And we've had some discussion about how best to reflect, right, this is after a lot of discussion all through the year, last year, recognizing that we do have uniqueness as a single district county, being a large single district county, that we want to make sure that we are in a thoughtful way reflecting those responsibilities in our budget. Um, rather than having it all in one where it's hard to disentangle or really see, see those duties. And so I think there will be more to come on that and what, how to do it in a way that really makes sense, um, in terms of the big picture and the mechanics. Um, but I think at the end of the day where we are for right now is we're in a good position for this year. We're going to make some adjustments to make sure that in an ongoing way, our county office budget is
9: aligned. The only other thing that I would add is that a part of that transition, looking at the 23 24 budget, is to look at a pro rata share of those costs associated with county office functions and school district functions. And so we'll be working through um, that process as we um, finalize development of next year's budget. So, on to the
8: district, um, for which we also recommend um, a positive certification. and Let's see. So looking, and so we have a number of different snapshots of of the general fund overall. Um, Starting here with the unrestricted general funds. One important note is that uh, our year to date expenditures in the second interim report are fully incorporated in a way that we were not able to, um, in a way that we were not able to report at first interim. So, during our first interim report, we had not um, successfully posted all of our payroll expenditures to our general ledger. And so, looking at those reports of our year-to-date spending, it was very low. Um, We have caught up so far this year. So that means that when it comes to our year-to-date spending, um, it does reflect the full second interim period, which is through uh, January. So that is exciting news. Um, We are still working on how to make that process as smooth and frequent as it's supposed to be, but for the purposes of the second interim report, it means that we're in really good shape in terms of reporting accurately what our expenditures are so far this year. The major update um, on this table, even though it actually looks, oh, sorry, back one. the change looks relatively minor, but the, the I think the update that is the most significant is that we have updated our local control funding formula revenues uh, using the most recent LCFF calculator from FICMAT that incorporates the information that was shared in the governor's January budget proposal um, and so in our, our updated ADA and enrollment forecast. So that's, Right. Even though the, the overall change from one reporting period to the next is minor, uh, the, it is, that is one, one area that it's very critical for us to keep up-to-date estimates as it's such a significant source of funding for us. The other piece here, the third bullet, is that um, there is a $20 million audit adjustment uh, that is has been implemented since first interim to establish a systems reserve. So on the chart, you can see that in the total ending fund balance section E, uh, the second row, uh, has a rainy day reserve and a systems reserve. So if you look at the report itself, those two are combined, so that's what that 60 million is, the 40 million commitment to hold our rainy day reserve. And then this audit adjustment is um, rather than increasing our investment in OPEB liability. We maintained the commitment of a $50 million contribution that had been determined last year and brought down what had been an increase to a creation of this system's reserve. Um, This is, in the future, can be something that we consider as a reserve if needed for ongoing um, Ongoing upgrades or things related to Empower SF, and also at some point in the future, we will also need to upgrade our financial system. Um, Empower is only our employee information and payroll, and so we continue to operate with a financial system that, in the short to mid-term future, may need to be uh, looked at more closely. Next slide. So this, um, the restricted general fund, this slide was not a part of first interim, but we went, uh, our CDE fiscal expert Pamela Zahn shared this slide at the board workshop in February. So we're incorporating it into this presentation and we will for um, presentations of the budget moving forward uh, where we can kind of see, right, the different snapshots, the unrestricted and then the restricted where we, right here, you can see we don't have the same pattern of deficit spending. Um, There can be more variability depending on what funding sources are available to us based on decisions made by the state or federal government about categorical allocations, right, stimulus funds, things like that. Um, But these funds are not as impacted typically by declining enrollment in the way that our unrestricted general fund is. And um, you can see here, and we're actually going to have a little bit more detail to double-click into this, but um, that state block grants, local measures, right, short-term funding present a new opportunity for us, an ongoing opportunity for planning and prioritization. And as an example, on the next slide, um, this is something we discussed a little bit at first interim, was getting a little bit more insight into what, what, it, what, is, what is our restricted general fund? What are the details? And so this is not comprehensive. Um, this is not, we can, we can provide more of that detail and each year when we recommend the budget, we include a, mo- a longer list, a multi-page exhibit around our restricted resources. Um, but this is a good example of up at the top, some of our largest sources of ongoing funds uh, that, are, that fall into the restricted general fund, and then the bottom is some of our one-time funds that are eligible to be used over multiple years. And so what that means is that some of these are documented as new revenue um, each year. For example, the Public Education Enrichment Fund annual allocation or PEF. Um, and then some of this is reflected in the beginning fund balance. Um, for example, our, uh, I believe our ESSER R three learning recovery, the third line, we've already received that allocation, and, um, and, right, and so it sits in our fund balance as we spend it out over multiple years. I think one note that I will make uh, is that the special education number is right now reflective of both the money we get from the state and our uh, district contribution uh, from the unrestricted general fund. So we don't get $180 million from the state. Uh, We get much less than that, and then we contribute um, from our unrestricted. But to get a little bit more into the weeds, again, happy to answer questions, but wanted to provide a little bit more detail since that has been an area that we've really been talking about more over the past year. So I don't have additional talking points here, but wanted to then bring the unrestricted and restricted general funds together um, so you can see all of it in one place. Um, So that is just, again, to have the consistency of these different representations of how our budget breaks down and then comes back together. Our multi-year projections focus on the unrestricted general funds. And overall, the, the highlights here are very similar to what we saw at first interim uh, with the establishment of a budget stabilization reserve last year of $65 million. We have created a buffer for ourselves over the next few years um, where as we, as we develop a strategy for how to address ongoing deficit spending. We've made updates to some of our revenues, but there aren't significant changes or expect at this point in time um, that we have you know really substantive updates to share. And, um, and on the expenditure side, most of it revolves around modest increases for step and column adjustments as staff, right, stay in the district. Uh, the cost of living adjustments that are part of, that we get updates from the state uh, the governor's budget in January. So, we're, we have a slightly, we're, by the end of 24-25, we are in a slightly better position than what it looked like at first interim due to that updated LCFF revenue in particular. Um, you know, that the $11 million of the remaining reserve is not insignificant, um, but it is small in relation to our
9: overall full budget. When you look at the multi, can you just go back to that slide for one moment? When you look at the multi-year projection, as Anne Marie said, there are three years that show that the district is deficit spending. Um, I do want to point that out because that is something that the board will need to pay attention to. And my recommendation would be to start in 2023, looking at budget balancing solutions. When you get to 20. 425 that budget stabilization amount is down to 11 million so we go from 65 million down to 11.3 and if that trajectory maintains 2526 is where there's gonna be some serious issues with the district so um, the whole purpose of a multi-year projection is to give you the roadmap so you can see what what's happening and then the district changes in assumptions and how the district will need to adjust and plan accordingly
8: And that is a great segue into our last, uh, our last two slides. So the takeaways here, positive recommended certification. Uh, there aren't significant swings in our outlook. Um, and so though we have retained that positive outlook, as Dr. Clark said, and as you can see, we continue to spend more than we generate on an annual basis through all of our various funding sources. So looking forward from here, um, we are in the midst of budget development for next year. Uh, we're prioritizing stability, transparency, and aligning to our budget to our vision, values, goals, and guardrails. Our next state budget update will come in May with the governor's May revise, and that will help inform our multi-year projections when we bring forward the recommended budget at the end of the school year. And also, in alignment with what Dr. Clark just shared, um, to ensure long-term fiscal solvency, we intend to bring forward a resolution to commit to aligning our expenditures with our revenues as part of the 2324 recommended budget.
6: Uh, thank you, uh, Anne Marie Gordon and Dr. Clark. And I just wanna end on that note as well. While in the short term, we're able to meet our obligations, I um, appreciate what Dr. Clark shared, but it's more than just we we you know need to do this. We we need to commit to going through this process, and we're also right now working with our labor pro- partners. We want to make sure we're taking steps to uh, make uh, to recruit and retain our valued staff through the negotiations process, and so we're going to have to really focus in on what our priorities are and how we're using our resources to support those priorities. So uh, we should anticipate some real serious discussion about our long-term fiscal outlook uh, throughout the the 23-24 school year. And the first step will be laying the roadmap of what that
1: looks like through a resolution. Thank you so much, Superintendent and staff, for that. Much appreciation. Uh, If we could have uh, anyone for public comment if for cards? Thank
0: you I don't have any speaker cards for in person?
2: Please raise your hand you, if you care to speak.
0: President Bogus. I'm,
2: I'm sorry we're going to have a in we have an in- person public comment so Did please hold. Yeah, my name,
1: my name please turn on the mic.
10: My name is Steve Zeltzer. I'm with the United Front Committee for a Labor Party. And I think that uh, it's very clear from this presentation here tonight that you continue to support privatization of uh, the school district. Uh, there's been a whole struggle to get this private company and power out of San Francisco. Many teachers have suffered, and they continue to suffer uh, because of the malfeasance and uh, failure to properly pay the teachers or overpay them, causing massive problems. You're not addressing that. You're not addressing that. Uh, Teachers have not been paid properly, and they have a problem with the IRS and the state franchise board. Nothing here to say about that. What are you going to do for the teachers who have to deal with their taxes? Not a word about that from the superintendent. I mean, it's, it's complete negligence politically for the part of the school board and obviously you don't have any concern about it not a word so we say that that there should be an end to privatization and also uh, you have to have a proper treatment of the thank workers you. and the teachers and the staff who are suffering you. as a result of privatization
0: thank you that concludes in person thank you for
2: our virtual for virtual participants, if you care to share a comment on the second interim report that was just shared, please raise your hand. Each speaker will have one minute to speak. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese?
11: Buenas noches, por
12: favor levante su mano. Si quiere añadir un comentario público de lo que se acaba de hablar en ese momento, cada participante tiene un minuto solamente. Gracias.
13: You you, got thank you seeing one hand raised uh, Charles Charles go Yes. Ahead. Yes, thank
2: you.
14: Um, at this point I actually I beg for, I demand a state takeover. I used to be very afraid of losing local control. But the state should come down to Five 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 Franklin, put a chain and lock on the door, and fire everyone in central office and replace them. You are proving yourselves incapable of handling any fiscal responsibility. If this had been a private sector business, it would have been shut down a year ago. You've had an extra year and still couldn't fix payroll. Check the W-2s. And there is plenty of money in our budget for to have a reserve and pay labor partners 15 to 20% raise over the next few years. If you'd close the miserably under enrolled elementary schools and cut from the ludicrous central office overhead, there would be money. But those will never happen because of graft, arrogance, incompetence, and taxpayer fraud like spending money on lawsuits that was meant for bonds. Thank you.
2: Thank you. That concludes virtual public comment for this item.
1: All right. Are there comments from commissioners or questions? Commissioner Fisher.
4: Uh,
3: well, so Dr. Clark and Ms. Gordon, thank you very much for being here in front of us as always. Thank you, Mr. Deshaun, for being with us as well. Um, I appreciate the breakdown of the ongoing versus one-time restricted funds. That's, I think, a really helpful explanation um, for me as a layperson, so thank you. Um, And I also appreciate the intentional discussions that we have to have about what are our district responsibilities versus our county board of ed responsibilities. Um, Could you help us understand a little bit more what uh, what that breakdown is going to look how are we getting to a stronger understanding of what lies in in which responsibility you know I I have questions about that not just from a payroll standpoint but also from a special education standpoint right you know like we're a single district SELPA. do we so much of that overlaps how do we tease that out not just finding I guess mostly financially but
9: everywhere Thank you for the, for the question. Um, so yes, this is a single school district slash county office of education, but as you can see from the two reports, they are separate and distinct entities. And so one of the, the, the things that we are, and Marie and I are working on is to um, look at the two separate entities and make sure that there's clear um, delineation between functionality for what should be the county office of education versus what should actually be the school district. And so that's a part of the conversation that we're having now and what i would anticipate is when we come back at minimum with um, at least with budget development we should be able to break out what the roles and functions are on the county office and their corresponding expenses in comparison to the school district side of, of, of the organization and so if there are specific questions that you have please send them so that we can make sure that we're including those in our presentation and be prepared to present
1: Vice President Wiseman Ward.
15: Yes, um, echoing Commissioner Fisher's thanks to you all for being here and for sharing this information. And I know that I think it's since, um, maybe since Dr. Wayne you joined that we've had this new sort of layout of the budget, and I really, really appreciate it. I think it's um, really helpful and allows me to understand it um, from a a non-budget background, a non-finance background. So thank you for that. Um, I had one ask, and you could... Maybe then it's through the (laughs) superintendent. Um, And then a question. One was, it's on page nine. Um, Thank you, Ms. Gordon, for pointing out that the special education, that the 180 million wasn't state, it was state and district contributions. And I'm wondering for purposes of this presentation or future, um, uh, future presentations, whether that column might say State slash local or state slash district because I do think that distinction is is a really important one. Um, uh, yeah, to the extent that that also includes federal money, I think that's just knowing that uh, more precise would be useful. Um, and then my question is on on um, slide seven, you mentioned um, that twenty million audit adjustment that's been implemented. And I was just wondering if you could share a little bit of information about, I, I, I heard you say that you um, we moved from OPEB liability to this new um, type of systems reserve and was wondering if you could share um, the why. I'm guessing it's a, a good choice to make and I was just under, wanting to, to understand what is the benefit to the district making that change.
8: Sure. And yes, we can make that update on the for the special education in the future. Um, so, last spring, um, when we received the Prop- Proposition G uh, funds after the legal challenge, um, there was discussion about how best to use. Right, it's a a large amount of one-time funding, um, and so one of the one of the one of the recommendations for how to partially use those funds was through by paying into our OPEB liability to help right, secure our kind of long-term financial position. Having right, the, that amount of one-time funding available for a one-time investment that really strengthens right, strengthens our our li- or reduces our liabilities um, in the future. The decision at that time had been to use, to invest 50 million dollars. As we went through the year-end closing process and were pre- preparing our unaudited actuals at the beginning of the school year, our, our actual spending came in much lower than we had anticipated um, to the degree that, at the time, um, our um, former head financial officer recommended increasing that $50 million to $70 million. Um, But I think over the course of the fall and the winter and recognizing that right, we have these other investments in systems that we anticipate needing to make in the future, um, conversation with, um, with our fiscal expert, Pam Lazan in particular, was someone who, who suggested recognizing that there's a number of different areas where we need to have reserves available and said, you know, that it would, it would perhaps play in our favor to maintain the 50 million that we had originally said. And recognize that we can make that $20 million, establish the $20 million reserve for other needs that are becoming, right, that are ongoing, sort of ongoing priorities in areas where we know we're going to need to make investments in the next several years.
15: So Okay, so maybe I misunderstood. So then we still have the, so this is, this systems reserve is in addition to, it's not, it's. It's it's adding on and, and you're we're calling it something different or it's the same pot of money. The, the so the compared to what? <laughs> the, well, I wrote down in my notes the OPEB liability funds. So
8: the OPEB liability is not on this slide. That has already been set aside, and so that was at first interim. You didn't see that twenty because it had been set aside as well. So now because we've pulled it out of that liability, and here it it shows back up.
6: Yeah. Right, and Ms. Gordon said it well because we're meeting our requirements around OPEB and the bigger liability is wh- you know, how our financial system is working. So we wanted to appreciate the CD, CD's guidance on this is where you need to invest those one-time funds.
5: Thank you.
1: Commissioner
5: Um, So I am seeking, I guess I'm focused on what happens between now and June. Um, because we've had a couple communications from the CDE that have marked deadlines for action. And there was a reference earlier to a, a resolution that is to come before us, as well as um, a number of areas that have been highlighted around um, you know, organizational changes and, I'm like, addressing uh, enrollment, accuracy of financial projections and so i'm just trying to prepare as a board member for what to expect between now and what we see in june and how that will be communicated so maybe this is whomever wants to answer
9: so we recently had a meeting with um cde representatives um, myself and marie Mr. Deshawn as well as uh, Pam and there were a couple of other district staffers involved where we went through those specific items that the um that were given to the district and and was where there were responses requested and I think it's you know from my perspective all of the different items that we uh discussed the district did have responses and updates and so at the end of that conversation CDE was um, very happy to see that there had been movement in, in areas They were aware of the challenges that we had in some other areas, but also understood that we had a game plan. And so as you can see with the um, discussion about the, um, the deficit spending, you know, and being able to come back to the board and start to have deeper conversations and develop budget balancing solutions was a part of the plan, in addition to the conversations regarding the resolution in terms of the board's commitment to make sure we stay the course. And so from my perspective, I thought the conversation went well. They will expect to see between now and June that we stay the course. Um, and if there are any anomalies, we would definitely need to have that conversation here and be able to share. Back to CDE.
8: Um, and one thing I think in that comes to mind that we discussed in that meeting, and I think, again, in particularly with the Restricted General Fund, um, they were they really encouraged us to right, to make as much progress as possible on make, on having our multi-year plan or a multi-year kind of path mapped out for, in particular those stimulus funds, right the block grants that just came through. Um, because that is that is an area where as we have a more concrete plan, we can also reflect those more accurately in our budget each year. Um, I think some of what I know can be, sort of jarring looking at the unrestricted compared to the restricted is to see the significant fund balance. Um, But we can actually, in our budget, establish, you know, represent what we intend to do so that there's better alignment overall over multiple years to say, yes, like that money is in our fund balance right now, but we do actually plan to budget for it next year. Let's build that into our projections so that as you look year over year, you don't see, right, you don't see that same number that feels like Something right that we have these funds available that we that we aren't using or that we could right that we could really be thinking about how best right to serve our schools and students.
5: So I guess my question also has a timing element too as far as what to expect from the bo- what what should the board be expecting between now and yeah. June when we're expected to adopt and and when might we anticipate seeing a, a resolution or a draft
6: resolution. So. After the meeting with CDE, we've also worked to formalize our written responses to the letter we received in October. So you'll get that at the end of the week, um, and then the resolution will come forward with the adoption of the budget. In between, you'll um, we'll just continue with the, uh, our progress, um, you know, sharing our progress in developing the budget as well as our as our LCAP. Um, for uh, for the 23-24 school year, and then you, there is a public hearing on on um, uh, I think it's the beginning of June. And prior to that, I know when we had our budget workshop, we talked about you should see how the um, previous LCAP was aligned to our goals and guardrails as a baseline, and then how uh, and still using that format to then say how for 23-24. Our uh, expenditures are more aligned that's what we should see to the goals and guardrails as identified through the LCAP expenditures.
5: Thank you that's super helpful Um, one of the things that I'm I'm particularly interested in is shedding light and airing out our budget and LCAP process because um, and, and I see improvements being made and I really and you know we have an LCAP Director and so forth, but to the extent that we we can provide um, transparency and both to the board as well as to the public, is around um, the gaps that we need to close, and also how we're engaging with the public prior to um, being asked to adopt a budget, because that is a cycle that I think the board has been really clear about wanting to. Um, get out from under. And then the other ask that I have, and then I'm done, is um, FICMAT's financial health risk assessment. Will we also be communicating on progress to close identified deficiencies in that um, report since it's been a little over a year since we received it? We can work on that. I just, you know, it's the anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> so um, why not mark it? By um, communicating progress and, and what we need to continue to work on. So I'd love to see that as part of the um, responses to the board as well.
1: Okay, we have uh, Commissioner Lamb, Commissioner Alexander, and I also would make space if Elliot or Pam wanted to add anything to the conversation to, to make their way up. And we can make space. And we also have Commissioner Sanchez.
7: Thank you for that tee up. President Bogus. Um, just a plus one on the FICMAC financial risk analysis and the reporting. I feel like we've phrased it pretty consistently, and uh, Superintendent like to um, understand not today, but between now and before June, I would say, to have clarity on what that response and progress looks like. Um, Mr. Duchon, if I can ask you a couple of questions and, and thank you first and foremost to Anne-Marie and to Dr. Clark for all of this work um, as we head in the depths of uh, the budget season. Mr. Duchon, you've been with us for a little while.
16: This is uh, my home again, away from home. Uh, okay.
7: I wanted to uh, follow up to the letter um, that was sent um, from Ms. Finley in March, um, that was also sent to all board members. Um, I don't think that what was raised um, in that letter w- is anything new, uh, um, any new news um, that has been shared by you and our um, the uh, CDE. Specifically, I wanted to ask about two outstanding issues and I'm glad that um, you and the team had positive discussions and a commitment around progress from the district. Could you speak to um, kind of the what you've seen from the past to where we're at now and where you like to see that momentum, specifically on the inadequate position control um, around systems control around identifying the budgeted, filled, and vacant positions, um, particularly uh, for the this current second interim as well as looking forward. And then also around the accuracy of financial
16: projections. And we have how much time? <laughs> so let me try to answer um, concisely. Um, position control in and of itself is a function of <clears throat> a number of factors, including Um, Your payroll and personnel system, which as we all know, is still a work in progress. It is also um, a function of standard operating procedures, which I think need to be part of that work in process, and we've been working with staff on those issues. I think, as you're aware, there are a number of vacant open positions in the budget, and this kind of portends to what something you should probably deal with in that resolution and that's looking at where those vacant positions are, how many will be filled, and that also is a basis, good tie-in to your position control of knowing where those budgets, where those positions are, the dollars they cost, and how many of those positions need to be filled and how many just can be deleted from the budget, what are necessary. All that comes with a a little footnote that it has been very difficult to um, recruit and retain, mostly recruit, particularly your technical positions in the district. Um, As big as the city is, it is somewhat insulated from other school districts. So um, it is great to have Dr. Clark on board. And one of the things which responds, I think to what you're saying is a restructuring of the business division, which I think will help with those standard operating procedures with your position control and how you get to answering those questions about those big blocks in the budget. The other thing that I think and, and this kind of comes between here and there and that, that resolution is a commitment to look at, and I think this was also in the state letter, both you and Commissioner Matomady referring to that your projections of the number of students need to be refined and you've taken a major step with that. You've brought on a new demographer flow dynamic flow analytics or flow something or other. Um, and I sat in on the interviews and they're very well equipped to look at a um, more of a micro level of projections within the district and the school populations. So those three things need to come together in order to, and they will not be answered by the way by June. Um, your, your demographic information is probably a year long at least till you get to that. Hopefully you'll have information to inform your 23-24 budget because staffing needs to come way ahead of that trying to go back to your three questions and I don't know if I answered all three of them. Um, in regard to the fiscal health risk analysis. So there were a number of issues pointed out in there. I think that um, certainly your staff as well as we can go back and look at what is not contained in the information that's been requested from the from CDE because I think that covers a number of them. Um, as you know, one of the major ones was again to bring on a CBO, which you, you have right now in the structuring of the business division. I think one of the things that again, standard operating procedures come to the issue and I don't remember all of them that are in the FHRA. Uh, I wish I could have committed them to memory, but our internal controls and those are going to be dependent on. Really a restructuring of the business division and the interaction with human resources and who does what. So there's a a kind of a control system in terms of both fiscal and data that come into the system. The obvious, um, it's not an elephant in the room. It's here. I I think everybody knows what it is, is in power, which I know you'll be dealing with in in another agenda item. Um, I don't think you have uh, any choice but to continue with that and continue to look at other options in the long term, as Ms. Gordon pointed out. Um, did I get to all your questions? I might have talked myself out of remembering one of them.
7: Going into the second year now with us, with SF Unified, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the governance level, what is it that you would want to share with us um, to for our? Uh, looking ahead and ensuring that there is the stronger alignment um, and that this district has had structural deficit spending and what does that path look like?
16: So you and we hopefully have helped to decrease that trajectory, but it's still there. As you know, year three, um, $36 million um, structural deficit. Structural deficit, is is that right, 36? Um, that's still an issue, particularly with declining enrollment and in years 2425, which is not on the multiple multi-year reports, um, projections that is clearly a concern. So it's going to be key to fine tune those systems in the next year and for the board along with staff to make a commitment, which is going to be difficult. To look at the way you spend money on staffing and I see, pick the words the way because that doesn't necessarily mean anybody goes away or who comes or who goes, but how staff are aligned to stick to your sites, to your programs, to some of your, um, one time funding and some of your restricted funding. Some of that one time funding goes away at the end of 23 at the end of 24 and I think 28 even so it's going to be very critical to prepare for those funding decreases and again I come back to I think it was the first thing I heard miss Gordon say when I listened to the meeting before I actually came on board was chewing up your staffing to the needs of the schools and when I say needs I'm talking about bare bones needs and it's at that point where you look at your unrestricted funds and your allocations to schools and make sure that you're matching staffing to the actual needs. And that's going to require some tough decisions. It may be attrition, hopefully takes care of some of those things, but equally realignment of staff, which I know can be a painful process, but you went through it this fall and and you did survive. Open positions, again, I cannot underscore how important it will be for departments within the district to look at what their staffing needs are and I think one of you mentioned vacancies your vacancies right now are near crippling to be honest I I can't make it a stronger point that you have positions in your business division and human resources that are of a technical nature they require people with human resources and business experience in schools which makes them much more difficult to fill. Especially, you know, part of what you deal with is the complexity of the city personnel commission and the fluidity of staff being able to go back and forth. That's something I don't think you can control, but it will be very important to retain people in the technical positions. And just an example right now is your DLT is very thin. DLTs tend to be thin because of the expertise required, but in terms of depth and of the people who can work with the fiscal system, with the payroll system, with, and you've got several, you know, we can throw off all the, in the initials, but with PeopleSoft and the Empower system, you've got two different systems. So it's very complicated, but it needs to be staffed with expertise.
8: Thank you.
1: Commissioner Alexander, then Commissioner Sanchez. Thank
17: you. Um, And I appreciate the points my colleagues have raised. I want to come back to our Council of Great City Schools guidance for budgets, which begins with the sentence, the school board should review the proposed budget from the superintendent with the initial assumption that it does not accomplish the community's vision while honoring the community's values and that the superintendent has to convince us to vote yes on the budget. So Superintendent Wayne, my vote is no right now on the budget and and waiting to be convinced for next year. And I guess I just want to. I don't understand that process uh, for going into next year and I mean this also says you know, for the, because of the potential for back and forth as part of the deliberative process it's wise to begin the budget ad- adoption process at least four to six months prior to any statutory deadlines for adoption. So to me a, a meeting in June, early June does not seem like the time to begin and I guess I'm confused by that and I'm not sure I understand how that's going to play out in line
6: with our, with our process that we're following. Um, Sure. So tonight, uh, so first just to clarify, tonight you're not approving a budget, you're approving the second interim report for the 22-23 school year budget, which was developed before we adopted goals. Um, And then for the process you described, um, and we did have our budget workshop where I think we did talk about priorities and what some of what the board expected to see, and so then um, that's and then the 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 work around our goals and guardrails is helping inform the budget development process and so that's what then the initial presentation will be a follow up from that to to convince you of how the budget has shifted to be more aligned with the resources and um, you know then that gives an opportunity for some feedback. Before adoption, I will say, you know, hearing the line of questioning, I'm going to think about ways, maybe before then, to provide some update on how it's developing, so that you can, um, yeah, so that there's uh, maybe some mid-development correction that could be or feedback that can be offered.
17: Yeah, I just didn't want to get us to get to
6: June. Basically, I was maybe over dramatizing that a little bit
17: for effect, but I didn't want to get to June. And have us be you know be in a situation where the board's saying oh my gosh what's you know what's going on here or how does this really align with our goals and not and you not have a chance then to to come back and us be up against the wall because we've been there before um not with you as superintendent but so that that was the spirit of that inquiry thank you commissioner sanchez all
12: right thank you so much um thank you for your hard work your team's hard work and we're all very happy about the positive certification for the second interim report I just have one question which is around the May revise um, so how, we didn't really talk about the May revise much but just how could the May revise play out and what positive or negative effects might we were expect
8: um, so the May revise will I think based on what we saw in the January budget proposal, I think the main areas where we received updates were the cost of living adjustment for, right, the kind of growth factor in the local control funding formula um, for, it would be, it could affect next year and also for the out years for our planning for how the, the LCFF projection looks over, right, over several years. So that is one where um, the, the current COLA that has been used for planning is, is quite high. Um, and so there is, you know, there is a possibility that it, it could go down. Um, we hope not. But that is one where that sort of informs, right, that growth factor overall for for LCFF.
12: Is there any indication of what's going to happen in May? Do we have any idea regarding COLA?
8: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I think that there's sort of different, right, once the, January proposal comes out, there tend to be a couple of different, right, a couple different firms or like different organizations that then sort of review the assumptions and will weigh in. And I think that the, you know, for now, um, they're right. They're sort of our indications or like questions of if we're if we're as a state moving towards a you know a potential um, de- economic downturn, then what would that mean? The way that the COLA is calculated won't. Like, it, it'll, it, there's a little bit of, like, a lagging effect. So we wouldn't immediately see the COLA go down if the projection in, you know, the next year or two out is, is an economic downturn. Um, so not sure. Um, okay. The last thing that I, would, that I would add is that we got, we got updates on, um, for example, one of the block grants that we received last summer as part of the, the enacted budget was reduced. Um, so I think that that's one where it's, it's, again, it's in the world of the one-time, multi-year funding sources, but where we're, you know, where we're trying to develop plans, that I think that might be another place where we either learn of, right, it could be increases in funding for, or, or you know, we get confirmation that some of those ongoing, more restricted um, funding sources will, will continue.
12: Just one last thing. Just uh, slide nine that I think uh, Vice President Wiseman Ward was referring to as well. Um, I do appreciate the ongoing funds addition. I just would recommend that we put in parenthetically um, when these sunset. The, the ones that are local um, have sunset dates, and I just think it'd be helpful for the public to know what those dates are.
8: You mean for? So, like PEEF? For like PEEF that, and throughout, the parcel taxes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can we can add that, and I think the 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 dates for the the one time are also right. That's as Mr. Dushan said. Some of them will expire in September twenty twenty three or twenty four. So that's part of the fixing it all out.
12: Yes, add yeah. this as well. Thanks.
1: Thank you, commissioners. Um, I saw Pam virtually unmute and come on camera. I didn't know if you wanted to add anything, Pam, before we move on.
3: Thank you. I wasn't sure how to approach this. Um, The one thing I will say is that with the May revise, one of the concerns that they have at the state level right now is that because they've given extensions to a lot of counties in Riverside on filing their income taxes this year, um, and some of it is going past, I believe, um, I want to say it may even be August or September, that it's going to be more difficult for the state to really kind of see where they are financially because of that. And so I would think that at the May revise, it may be a little bit more conservative just based on that, not having the information that they need to be able to see where they are standing with the collection of personal taxes. But that was just the only thing I wanted to mention.
16: Thank you so much for adding that context. I I was going to just as a segue say that um, we both, I think, Pam and myself would recommend being quite conservative even with the may revise because the cola, which is really the implicit price def- def- deflator, which is it's a for, it's a calculation doesn't govern what the governor does. So the governor takes that money and it also doesn't governor govern how much revenue the state gets. So the state gets a certain amount of revenue. There's a statutory cola and then the governor has to put that all together in a budget. And until you see that, um, it's going to be difficult to predict what might happen. And in the past several years, the legislature has moved more and more toward restricting certain parts of that money. So even under prop 98, you're seeing more and more of it restricted. That's why you have a lot of these ongoing, the one time funds, the EOP, um, not the arts and, ed- and entertainment arts and, Arts, so it's music, and music arts and music instruction com- materials, which is actually less restricted. That was passed. No, the prop 28, uh, that's a well, you have two sources of art and music, but one of them is more restricted. One is less restricted, but I think you're going to see more and more of that. So the district should be prepared for the legislature to really give you some direction in how they want you to spend money. So I think all those things need to be need to be thought out as you look at your next year budget. I did want to respond a little bit to Commissioner Alexander because I think that's a really good point that over time the board should be intimately involved with the development of the budget. You have a new LCAP coordinator director I'm not sure manager in the district. And I think you will see over time and I'm, you know, I'm, um, underscoring over time, the alignment between your values, your goals, guardrails, values, and, um, VVGG vision values, goals, and guardrails. I have to pick up the San Francisco language every time I come to town, but I think it's critical. You look at those, and in the next couple of years, you're going to have to look at those within the context of how much money you have. I always have to end with how much money you have. And, and I want to be clear. I don't expect it all to be solved this year either. So my
17: <laughs> semi-joking uh, <laughs> point there, <laughs> I hope I didn't make this superintendent too uncomfortable. I was, no, I really was just saying I want us to make sure that we're being transparent. And if there's, we know that, I think all of us know we're not going to be able to, turn the entire ship overnight. But I think it is really important to be transparent with the public about what we are turning and what we're not turning. And so if there's stuff, if there are things that aren't aligned yet, to be able to be honest about that and for the board to be able to ask questions and say, okay, you know, we're, we're agreeing and we're going to approve this budget even though maybe we all agree that it's not where we want it to be. I just want to make sure there's time for that conversation and that it doesn't get jammed up in two weeks and everyone's like, oh my gosh. Because, you know, when we do it all at the last minute, also we have you know, teachers and parents and, and other stakeholders all kind of stressed at all at the same time. And I think the more we can kind of have a little breathing room, the more we can have those conversations in a deliberative way. So that was just to clarify, that was the intention of my comment.
6: <clears throat> I hear that, but I think, I mean, as we're, as, uh, 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 I appreciate the clarification, but I do think as we're developing the budget, like there are updates we can give along the way as we see priorities come out. Like, for example, we're going to be talking at the next meeting about student uh, our progress monitoring for student outcomes about literacy, and there are definitely some costs there. Uh, so, there, the, so I do think providing some, uh, you know, some updates along the way will be helpful. Right,
0: uh, and with that. Uh, roll call vote, Mr. Steele. Thank you, President Bogus. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Lamb? Yes. Commissioner Matamidi?
5: Yes.
0: Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Uh, President Bogus? Yes. Thank you, six eyes. All right, thank you. Uh, and with that, we will go to
1: item E2. Uh can I have a motion and a second on the fourth amendment to the contract between San Francisco Unified School District and Infosys Limited? Summary.
3: Second.
6: Uh, thank you, President Bogus. Um good evening again. Uh, with me is, again, as uh, Interim ass- Associate Superintendent of Business, Dr. Candy Clark, and our Head of Staff, Marin Trujillo, who's also been uh, the lead at our Command Center where we're implementing our corrective action plan. Um, and so, to, uh, do we have the presentation coming up? I think it's still loading. So, while it's loading, I'll say tonight, Um, We're going to share why we need to amend the Infosys contract, what are some key differences between this amendment and the previous contracts that we've made to increase accountability and timely delivery of services, and then the next steps to increase our ability to effectively manage and empower SF um, overall and Infosys in particular.
18: Good evening commissioners. Uh, this is my first time addressing you guys. So Uh, hello everyone. (laughs) So I want to talk to you a little bit about what, uh, why we continue to need, uh, emphasis and why this contract was needed. Uh, they remain a critical uh, element to sustain and support payroll, human resources, and many of our day to day operations. Um, the capacity of SFUSD to have its internal team, uh, up and running is still in motion. So we remain dependent on emphasis for that. And lots of the institutional knowledge is still remains with emphasis. To that end, there are some key differences from the previous amendments that you see today. Uh, One of them is that this contract is time and material as opposed to a fixed rate. We have precisely identified what needs to be fixed. I will say that in that process we will find other issues, but we have a very clear understanding of what needs to be fixed right now. We have clear change control mechanisms and ways to escalate issues from both ends. And as you can see uh, in the contract itself, there's now a requirement for senior management to senior management communications on a weekly basis. Now, when I say we have some clarity on the work, uh, what you have in front of you are what. are known as the work packages that our partners AM, and has have helped us identify. we have identified close to 66 known issues 20 new defects they've been organized into work packages the ones in bold are the ones that we believe are the first ones we're going to work on interface employee payroll and time entry and management um, and these are important at uh, the priority sorry the the sequence is important for us uh, to know how we're going to start uh, interfacing with this work and making sure that emphasis and SUVSD teams are on the same page and accomplishing the remediation. And this is critical for the
6: board to understand and I think also helpful for the public to see. because. So much of this implementation, um, when we are talking about the challenges with the implementation, a question that keeps coming up is where is the accountability? And in previous amendments to emphasis, it hasn't been delineated exactly what they'll focus on. It was just as general: we need the system, you know, first launched, and then we need the system fixed. And so. This is uh, where you can see uh, exactly what work should be completed, and we can provide that progress report uh, on how they're doing. But that is not the only, um, not going to be the only. Uh, that's not the only step that will help make sure we have stabilized in power. And they have, you know, clear technical support they need to provide. Um, one of the things that they've been providing, which has been hard, has been some of the ongoing support just to run our payroll. So. We need to make sure we're hiring the required staff to ensure we can run the system on its own. And then we need to train staff to support the implementation. And we also need to try to say no to things as we get stabilized. So there's features that we'd like to have, you know, that maybe can help us in the future better understand, you know, the uh, our personnel and manage evaluations. But right now we can't add new enhancements. We just we need to pause on anything new and get this stabilized. So to share a little bit more about what it looks like to uh, hire on staff and train staff and really take ownership of implementing this successfully, I'd like to turn it over to Dr. Clark.
9: So we've taken a a, a three-step approach as Dr. Wayne mentioned. One of the most critical components of um, looking at staff is training. Right now, we're in the process of um, uh, digging deep and developing additional professional, develop, professional development for payroll staff, human resources staff, IT um, staff, accounting, as well as site staff. And, and a lot of that training is centered on um, understanding the, how to utilize the system and how one individual's job may impact the work that's happening downstream within the system. So we're bringing different departments together so that they can see the big picture. Um, And that's been, uh, we've had a lot of positive feedback um, from those trainings that we've had so far. And it's also guiding us in terms of trainings that we'll begin to um, develop going forward. The other part of the approach is looking at Um, increasing access to external support. Right now there's one vendor that we're utilizing for temporary staff. The the challenge is trying to find individuals that may have school district experience as well as um, success factor experience that we could potentially pull in. Um, That pool of talent is thin. And so rather than try to um, completely rely on a small group of individuals, we're expanding our RFP to look at bringing in additional resources, even if it's temporary staff, to focus on some of those areas. And so that RFP has been released, um, and we are hoping within the next couple of weeks we'll be able to get feedback feedback from the RFP and be able to utilize that to add additional entities to the core group of of um, uh, staffers that may be able to come in now that that's more of a short-term goal which is the last piece that i want to talk about was the long-term goal which is being able to f- hire staff full-time uh, within the organization we have been working very hard to look at 40 i think I believe it was 40 42 or 43 essential positions that we need to have in place in order to continue to move forward with this system and so that has been a challenge for a variety of different ways. Um, a lot of it is, is, is stemming around trying to find individuals that are willing to come and work for the district. mean, you know, to fill in some of these roles. And so um, we're rethinking how we approach recruitment. I've, I've recommended, you know, um, a more active approach so rather than wait for individuals to apply let's go out and knock on doors and make phone calls in neighboring you know entities or districts to see who might be interested in coming to work for san francisco unified i've shared with dr wayne um in a couple of weeks i'll be at the Casbo conference which is the state conference where all the business professionals are and i do plan to actively recruit for all of the positions that we have available and hopefully will drum up a little bit more interest in the district so that we could potentially hire um, folks from either in the Bay Area or outside of the area, but just around the state that have the skill sets that that we need in order to continue to move forward.
6: Uh, And as I go to the next slide, I just want to share how This has really become an all hands on deck, and so when we talk about the training of new staff who comes in, uh, just last week I was at the command center, and our own Judson Steele and Alicia Burias, who you know our full time job is to support the board office, have been supporting also uh, the uh, command center, and they were training new people coming in, and you know again that that's what it's taken to make. The progress, which we know, is not enough. But to make the progress we've we've made so far is having people get out of their day, you know their day jobs to just step up and help help uh, us address these issues. So um, just to give, I, I think this gives a picture of the hiring that we need to do.
9: Sure, uh, this is a list of the immediate and urgent needs that we um, have identified for positions. The dark green represents positions that are filled. The light green represents positions that are ready to interview, and then if you go to the blue colors, they're either being prepared to post or posted. Um, I, I would have loved to have been able to show you a screen that had all green, dark green, because that would have moved us in a um, uh, 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 moved us down the road a lot further. But I do want to point out that this list is very critical to our ability to continue to move this system forward. There are positions identified in business services, particularly in um, payroll, human resources, and information technology. Um, The expectation is that for many of these positions that you see here, they will either, um, A, uh, be assigned 100% to the um, Empower um, implementation team and work there, or they will be, backfill um, on the operational side within the department so that another staffer can come and um, focus full-time on empower. Um, this is um, a daunting task there are a lot of positions that we need to fill and i believe at my last count out of the 43 positions we may have filled 10 or 11. so that there's a lot of work that needs to um, continue to happen in order to fill these positions
6: Can you adjust the? Uh, yes. It's a little off. Okay. Go ahead about the funding, though. What happened to the?
11: There we go.
9: Okay. So huh. so on the the funding source for um, this mm-hmm. amendment is coming from. Oh, could you go back?
6: I won't touch anything. (laughs) Can you go back to the previous slide?
18: It's not moving.
6: I'll try. Okay, you can just speak to the funding sources. Uh,
9: So funding sources um, are for this particular um, amendment are related to um, one-time funding sources that we have identified. Um, in relationship to salary savings, you saw that list of positions. Many are already in the budget, but they've yet to be filled. So that savings will be utilized to um, fund a, a portion of the position. We talked earlier in first interim um, as it related to OPEB and that $20 million savings. So a small portion of that will also be utilized to um, to cover the cost uh, <laughs> to cover the cost of this uh, amendment.
6: So sorry for the um, presentation challenges there, but uh, uh, yeah so the key point is is we know it's hard to bring forward another um, amendment to be putting more money into this implementation um, again, it's a different type of amendment, and the point is one time funds will be uh, will be used for for that and then just as far as uh, as far as next steps, if you go to the next slide um, uh, so you know, we're going to continue working on a corrective action plan to reach our key milestones. You, I will provide, uh, as I have been doing at each board meeting, an update on our progress towards those. Uh, we will be getting weekly activity reports from Infosys to hold them accountable for progress and continue to communicate uh, our efforts to stabilize the system. Um, I do want to say with this. Uh, since I've started in San Francisco, um, you know, I came in knowing that this was a challenge—not, uh, you know, not knowing the huge scope and the depth of these issues that we are facing. What I've appreciated is how. Um, in San Francisco, the community wants to help, and people have stepped up and, and offered support. So uh, we met last week with the city of San Francisco, and the, and the controller's office has provided support. DCYF has provided support, and then just community members are interested in helping, and so for negotiating this contract as we've emphasized it is different than previous amendments. It's different in part because we had the support of Ditka Ranier. She's a community member who has spent her whole career 40 years negotiating technology implementation contracts and she offered to support us um, for free. We actually paid her one dollar so we could cover any liability uh, concerns, and um, has worked countless hours to help bring this contract to the standard it needs to be for us to accomplish our goals and to really hold the emphasis accountable for the work. So I just wanted to recognize her and the other, um, our other partners who have really stepped up and said, we, we want the district to be successful. How can we help? Let us know. And it's been our uh, pleasure and privilege to work with them and work with people like Ditka to uh, try to move forward this implementation.
1: Right. And with that, why don't we see if there's any public comment on this item?
0: I think you have a couple cards. Um, Steve Zeltzer. I think you may have spoken earlier. Um, Susan Kelly Degrado. Looks like she may have left as well. Um, if she returns, we'll go ahead and give her time.
2: Please raise your hand if you care to speak to this amendment. Each speaker will have one minute. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese?
0: Si alguien
13: desea hacer un comentario acerca del punto de cual se acaba de tocar, por favor levante su mano y cada persona tendrá un minuto para hablar. Gracias. 各位想就處理個受定案過程中發現的話呢,你可以舉手啦,每人有1分鐘的時間,Good. Thank you. I'll
2: call on Charles and then Chris. Charles, go ahead,
14: please. Thank you. Um, three words, sunk cost fallacy. Please look it up. So what is the normal or average cost to an organization for payroll software? You are looking for $500 per employee more for a total of close to $3,000 total per employee. The cost should be one-tenth of that, but obviously nobody could do that research. But somebody got rich and was paid off in SFUSD and got away with it. You don't have to be an Inspector Colombo to figure out how, how to find people who benefited either. Someone knew someone at Infosys and gave them the contract, but you know it should be given and handed over to the local FBI office. I'm not laughing and the kids of this city suffer because of the corruption. It's always pay to play in San Francisco. Either investigate it or admit you support, as a school official or board member, people who steal from the public schools. Please do not let them get away with this. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Chris and then Miss Marshall. Chris, go ahead, please.
13: Okay. Um, can you hear me?
2: I'm sorry, Chris, we, we can't hear you. You
13: sound a little bit far away. Let me see. Can you hear me now? Yes. All right. I'll just project. I'm Chris Klaus and I have two points tonight, one of which is a question. I'm a special education teacher at Washington high school, by the way. First point salary savings from open positions are not savings. That money represents open positions that SFUSD has failed to fill, causing at this point almost immeasurable harm to educators, secretaries, nurses, security guards, custodians, payroll staff, and really all employees of SFUSD. I'm tired of SFUSD claiming savings from open positions across the district, whether those positions are in classrooms, at school sites, in payroll, or in other positions across SFUSD. They aren't savings, they're failures. The second point is my question. Given all of the harm that has been caused by this system and the ballooning expenses of it, is this worth it? That's the question that you need to answer. If this doesn't solve the problems, SFUSD will have spent over $30 million, by my count, on this system. So, again, I'm asking is this worth it? Thank you.
2: Thank you, Chris.
11: miss marshall uh, yeah, thank you um good evening um, board commissioners uh, superintendent Mac. i am appalled to hear a request for more money i am appalled that you cannot find people in san francisco i know you can who can do the position you had on that screen this or this company should not be given one penny that takes away from the, from the integrity, from the students and staff in this district. I know that you can find people who can do what's on that screen. Before this system arrived, SFUSD hired people in HR, in payroll, who did this work as part of their regular job. You have spent so much money on this system. This one is, and I agree with the call before me, this needs to be an FBI investigation or NAACP investigation. This company should not receive not one penny more. There are people in this town who can do that work as part of their regular SFUSD job. They did it in the past, why can't they do it now? Give this money to the teachers, give this money to the custodians, give this money to people you have not paid, but not to this company. Thanks. This company is a fraud. Thank you, Miss Marshall
2: that does conclude virtual public comment for this item
1: appreciate that and we will go to staff comments I have a few initial comments and we'll go to other uh, commissioners I guess if staff could talk a little bit um, about the expertise gap um, and just kind of where we are maybe lacking internal expertise Um, and kind of the impact, um, that kind of outside consultants are kind of playing to fill that gap. Um, and essentially just trying to get a feel of, of what would be the reality of if we kind of had to run these systems kind of by ourselves without outside help at this point, just kind of like what state would we be in?
9: So uh, I'm going to talk, talk about two different things. One thing is I think there needs to be recognition, um, that even before um, the implementation of Empower SF, there were critical vacancies within, particularly the business services department. I can't speak for other departments, but that, that should be recognized. So coming into this system, the, 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 the goal of you know, filling a lot of those positions had yet to emerge. and So now here we are still trying to continue to move forward with the system, and those, those gaps in subject matter experts are still there. When we look at school districts that's a unique skill set there are individuals that you can hire from other agencies if they've got government experience and, and payroll yes those are transferable skills but if you're coming from the from the outside let's say private sector some aspects you'll be able to manage but you know, that individual may not have experience dealing with the teacher's retirement system or with the classified retirement system. They may not necessarily have ex- experience with um, contract labor agreements and the variety of salary calculations that are necessary um, to deliver an appropriate pay for an individual. What we're dealing with with the um, Empower system is that there are three separate modules. And so for an employee record, rather than having that record in one location, pieces of it are all in these three systems. And so the, an individual who may be over here on the benefit side doing work may enter something in, um, and if it's not in the appropriate frequency or scope or um, cadence for what the system needs, it, when it makes its way downstream, it may cause an issue. And so we need individuals who, number one, understand what school business payroll looks like or school business retirement um, looks like so that as they're entering that information, as those issues are coming up, the goal is that individual would catch it first before it gets into the system. And so that's 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 the perfect situation. But when you have vacancies and you're bringing individuals in that may not necessarily have that expertise, you have to train them from the ground up. And so that's a a journey in itself to to get the person up to where they need to be while we're also trying to put remediation efforts in place to continue to move the system forward. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the life cycle of an employee from the time the individual applies for a position, is hired on board, and then moves through the pay cycle. The, 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 The scope and the manner in which this system is set up it's not like the information rolls, rolls through smoothly, right? It's you start here, this, this particular element of the system needs to replicate, and it needs to replicate in two other places. And if there are any gaps in that replication, we have a problem. We know that there are 50 fields within this system that directly impact pay. But those 50 fields are not just within the payroll department. They're not just within the HR department. They're throughout these different elements of the system. And so that's, it's critical to make sure that wherever those 50 fields land, we need subject area experts that are trained up and understand how this system Um, How the system operates in order to ensure that those fields are always kept in sequence that there's no interface gaps within the process So that the system can replicate and move pay to the payroll department I've said this once before We, we call it a payroll issue, but it's really not a payroll issue There are many things that are happening within those 50 fields that are outside of the payroll department it's and the back end and it's replicating and it's just automatically moving through to pay an employee. So those are some of the challenges that we're seeing. The other piece of it is on the um, IT side of the house with the requirements to manage this system. It's, it's different from the previous system and so this system requires a higher level of expertise than what may have been needed before. Um, One of the challenges that we've been having is finding individuals that have SAP success factor experience, particularly individuals who have worked with a government agency, a school district, um, in the payroll and the um, HR side of the house, because those are the two areas that seem to be having the most impact from those 50 fields throughout um, the systems. And so it's not just you know, pulling someone in off the street and throwing them in a position. Um, it's really being thoughtful and methodical about the skill sets that are needed, the training that's required, and whether or not that individual has the, the ability to, you know, learn it while we're also implementing a system. It, it, it's, it's a huge lift. Um, and those positions that you see listed that that's just immediate need. That's not all the vacancies in the organization, but those are the things that we've identified in terms of key areas that we want to focus on to be able to have people in positions, focus full time on this particular implementation.
1: Thank you for that. The next question I had was about kind of the uniqueness of our systems in San Francisco and how things are set up And I guess if you could I just I get give I guess your opinion of seeing other districts I guess how things compare here and I Guess the ability to compare what's happening in other districts and like their ability to kind of manage things or the systems They use kind of versus the approach that uh, we've taken if that makes sense Yeah, I'll give I want to give one example
6: um, what's definitely unique about San Francisco is being part of the civil service and the city managing our benefits. So, you know, earlier in the year, um, we had an issue with uh, people's benefits being dropped, and that's um, you know, that that was that issue was compounded because it was in part uh, due to the communication that was happening between our system and the Health and Human Services system in in the city and that's just not you know districts typically manage their own health benefits so wouldn't need to send that information over to a whole other entity for health benefits to be activated so that's just you know one concrete example of the complexity we're we're dealing with that maybe other districts uh, are that, that surely other districts aren't dealing with i don't know if you want to give another specific example
9: yeah I, it, well, it was one of the things that I see is drastically different is, is the employee record and usually the employee record is in one location in a system so you're able to go in and information into that one location and then the information moves out. The way this system is set up it's pieces of the employee record are in these different modules and so that information is put in in multiple different places and it's it, it's it has to replicate and replicate accurately and move its way through. So you have a, a very different workflow for how information comes in and how it moves over to payroll for processing. I, I'm only aware of one um, school district in the state that has this system in place and I know that it was a a, a very difficult imp- implementation, um, and I believe it took somewhere around seven plus ten years, somewhere in there, for that system to be implemented. And I'm, and we definitely don't want to <laughs> repeat what happened in that district. Um, but, but uh, there were a lot of common themes between the issues that they discovered versus what we're seeing within um, this system.
1: Thank you. And my last question is I take all the time for questions. Uh, If maybe you or the superintendent could just kind of address why the public should trust us and kind of have faith in like this decision and kind of like the path we're going kind of versus some of the decisions we've made to kind of lead us to this place where we're kind of in crisis still. Yeah, I don't know that I can expect the public
6: trust just yet. Um, And I'll just keep pointing to, highlighting the differences that uh, what we're trying to do such as having um, you know the clear scope for this contract or having the up uh, the regular updates that we've been providing and you know the and then again it's not where it needs to be but still trying to demonstrate where we've made uh, progress in resolving issues so I feel like that trust is something That we're away from earning, but those—that's what I would point to, uh, and to you know demonstrate we're intentionally
1: trying to earn that trust back. Thank you for that response. Uh, Additional questions or comments from commissioners? Scene one from Commissioner Alexander.
17: I was just going to comment that um, this is a hard vote. Uh, I think for for me, I think it's for for all of us, and. Um, I actually voted no on the Infosys uh, First Amendment, I believe it was, in June of 2021, because at that time I felt like I was being asked to approve, I think I said this to someone in a private conversation, to approve a blank check. Um, I don't feel that way about this one, and I think that's due to the diligent work of Mr. Trio, Dr. Clark, Superintendent Wayne, uh, I, I feel that I, as a board member, have been able to have extensive briefings and feel that there's a level of accountability here that didn't exist before. I don't expect the public to believe that yet, uh, but I, but I want to say, like, as a representative of the public here, I, I would not be voting for this unless I felt like that level of accountability was there. And so I just want to um, say that I share the extreme skepticism that has, been, that has been expressed by many members of the public, and uh, I think my colleagues do as well. I don't want to speak for people, but I think, I mean, we've... This is a really, really tough one, but, but I think we also understand that um, you know we, we actually need the system if we want to keep paying our employees right now. and if we want to start looking at all other alternatives, it's going to take time. We've got to get this system working first. It's the only one we have um, and, and then we can start moving forward. And I just want to appreciate what I think is a different way of working from,
1: from the team here. Okay, seeing no more comments from Commission. I'm sorry, I missed uh, Vice President Ward. No, you didn't.
15: I was I was late. I, I want to um, just briefly in 30 seconds um, thank uh, Commissioner Alexander for his thanks to to the work that's being done. I I absolutely share your sentiments, and I think. Um, that while votes aren't always easy or feel good um, I do feel a level of confidence that um, I didn't necessarily feel before because of um, the thoughtfulness that's being put into this the transparency um, with us at the board the regular briefings that we're getting from dr. Wayne um, and our meetings here um, and the reality is um, we we have to pay our educators and our staff and um, until this is stabilized we don't there's, there's not other options and I think um, not approving this puts us in a position where a lot of folks are going to um, endure significant significant harm and I just we're not in a position nor would I ever want to um, cause additional harm. So.
1: Uh, Commissioner Lamb.
15: Uh,
7: thank you to the team for the tremendous work. Um, I just also want to name how frustrating, how infuriating, how angry, um, you know, it's been for um, the board as the governance. You know, I take we all do um, the responsibility of stewarding public funds. And knowing that uh, you know our core of our staff and educators deserve um, their dignity and to be respected, I say that I say that every month this report comes up. Um, and I just also want to thank you, Dr. Clark, for your Herculean work. In just a couple months, you have joined us. Um, it is so clear how much we need the expertise and the prioritization around turnaround for this district, and everything goes back to its core around fiscal business operations. Without that core, everything else cannot function. Clearly, we've been living it um, for over a year now. So I just wanted to just also express um, you know, that we know it's still going to be a long road ahead. But I want to just um, acknowledge um, the superintendent, his leadership with the team around these key differences, and thanks to our city partners and community members who are lending their expertise with us, and and so that we can correct course. But I just want to, and I appreciate Dr. Clark just raising, you know, it's not just about payroll. This is so much of, um, much deeper system work that needs to happen. And that is why, um, you know, after many decades, I think we're finally going to need to put the attention, the resources, the skills, the expertise so that we can have a stronger foundation. So thank you.
0: Roll call vote. Mr. Steele. Thank you. Commissioner Alexander. Yes. Commissioner Fisher. Yes. Commissioner Lamb. Yes. Commissioner Matamidi.
5: Yes.
0: Commissioner Sanchez. Yes. Vice President Wiseman Ward. Yes. President Bogus. Yes. Seven eyes pass.
1: All right. Thank you. And with that, we'll move to item F, informational items, and we have two. And these are, are just
6: presented for yours and the public's information. Um, these are the sunshines from the United uh, Association, um, oh, wait, yeah, United Administrators <laughs> of San Francisco, sorry, the United Administrators of San Francisco to us, and then our proposal, our Um, Sunshine of the proposals will negotiate to them. Uh, As part of the process, we first share them as an information item. We will have a public hearing on them next week and then we seek the board's approval or acceptance of our uh, Sunshine and uh, and the uh, public can comment on both ours and
1: UA's at the next meeting. Right. And with that, we will adjourn the meeting at 8:18.
3: Can I just make one comment? Yes. Happy Pi Day everybody.
4: Yeah. yeah.